Shalom, shalom. Welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original language as a guide. Now, today we are in um, Judges chapter 16, reading from the New King James Version Bible. Today, we are going to read one of the most infamous stories ever, ever written in the Bible. Again, okay, and so if you listen to the last podcast, I did go back and look up that word, and I really think the translators are incorrect, because luchi, when you look at it, it is the same root word, the chod and the ye, I'm sorry, the chet and the ye, yod, oh my gosh, I'm tired, the chet and the yod, the letters that have like a ch guttural sound and a yod, it's the same letters for the word chai, life. So I really believe that that place was originally called to life, luchai, to life. Because it doesn't mean jawbone. Like, I'm just, just telling you, it doesn't mean jawbone. So that's just from a Hebrew speaker. When I saw it, it didn't look right. Um, I didn't have time to research because I forget to research before I do the podcast because <laughs> I just start reading. Um, I'm sorry, real time. But, okay, I pray Father God opens our eyes, ears, and hearts to more things this episode. I love you guys. Um, now, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Okay, again, this shows his character. Just because Samson was anointed of Yahweh, just because he was filled by his Holy Spirit to do great things and deliver Israel does not mean he was born again or an upright man. Please do not, do not strive to be like this person. This is the who not to be like, <laughs> okay? Who not to be like. Samson, number one. Okay, when the, Gazite, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. Because why they knew he was the Gaza's overcourse on the um, western side of Israel. And it's where the Philistines live, even to this day. In that Gaza Strip area, there's always problems and from the Palestinians. And they were going to kill him because he was the judge of Israel, right? Verse 3. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, because he knew to be careful being seen took hold, listen, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gate posts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. This man has strength. Like, I don't know if you can comprehend how much weight he was carrying, how much he was carrying, to pull posts out of the ground. And to have the gate on you is intense. I mean, the buildings created and made thousands of years ago are still standing for a reason. They did very good construction. <laughs> they knew how to tamp in and fit in these posts. This is amazing to me, being a contractor's wife and having done construction myself for the last um, 17 years. Well, and my dad was a carpenter also, but I understood what I was doing for the last 17 years. Holy cow, this is awesome. Verse 4. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. Now, again, do not believe the translators. Do not believe the translators. They tried to say she was feeble, but that was a translation through the Jews who tried to, um, when they want to dimin diminish a person's character and, and credibility because they were bad to the children of Israel. Delilah, Delilah, was a seductress, a harlot, and a wicked person. And she brought down the death of, well, you're going to see the demise of Samson. And so she was cast in a bad light. Thus, her name was changed. Okay, now, 
if you look at the word, Laila is a word for night. In Hebrew, Laila Tov, Laila Tov. And so if you look at the letters and the root words in, in each of these without the vowel points, it's the same word, Dolila. So of the night. <laughs> oh my gosh. Most names are prophetic. If you look at your name, what Yahweh allowed you to be named is typically prophetic. Now, I also know this. We are given, We do, you know, it says we'll be given a new name. I don't know, but I remember one day in prayer, just laying, sitting there on my knees, just bathing in his glory and his love, basking in it. And I said, Father God, what would you call me? Like, if you could give me any name. And I heard, I heard, Achazel. And I was like, oh, so I looked in the Bible. It wasn't there. I'm like, what? He goes, no, I want you to. So he showed me. And we piece it together through the root and the end. And it means to grasp God. And then he reminded me that in 2001, right before I came to Torah, he kept giving me a vision. And in the vision, I saw him in his beautiful white robe, turning and leaving me. But I grabbed the hem of his garment and I wouldn't let go. And at this point in my life, I was still in Sunday church, my Bible kept opening to Matthew 7, so go look at that. You'll see what this vision was about, because he was leaving me. But I grasped on, and I didn't let go. And I was smoking at the time, and doing all, you know, all sorts of worldly things, because I didn't know. I was a, a magic pill, Jesus-saved Christian girl, I thought. And, wow. So just ask him. I pray, pray. See if he'll tell you what he would call you. It's... But the point is, even the name you were given is prophetic. My name in Melissa means, sorry, is a Greek origin word meaning sweet bee or honeybee. If you trans, if you go out through the, into the Hebrew, it actually is the equivalent. It is very similar to the word for Deborah, which is interesting. So, um, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting in my mind when you look at the word that the honeybee is devar, same word, devara, devora, Deborah. I don't know. Anyway, look at your name, pray about it, see what it means, see what prophecy that has in your life. And everybody always said my whole life how sweet it was. That when I was a little girl, it's like, oh my gosh, you're so sweet, you're so sweet. I didn't even know my name meant that. And honestly, I think that with every bone in my body, <laughs> I don't hate anybody. I have been frustrated to the point where I've said the words before, you know, and then repented immediately to not to the person, but in my mind or to somebody else. Anyway, um, I've been hurt and I can get like protective, but I truly don't hold, like, I just love everybody. Even my husband said that, like, I, there's nobody I don't love, but <laughs> when I haven't, felt loved at times I could feel walls up and so blah 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 so I'm <laughs> I don't know why I tried to explain away that part of it but anyway the point being my life has proven in a lot of ways because I do understand the word of God I do know the word of God I prayed him to sear it on my heart and it's like it's just like that's in me the sweetness the the Torah the the the, the everything about him and and so look at your name look at what you, who you are to him because everybody's valuable everybody's important everybody has a role so um like Samuel, if you're listening, that's really awesome. Like to be heard of God, you know, to heard of God. So yeah, he's probably opening your ears. Like my son, we didn't even know Torah at the time. His name is Trey. And, um, even though my family was Jewish, we were just very sec, like very, very worldly. 
Um, and he's three. And Yahweh always told me, I literally would always hear God speak to me, even when I was not following Torah. I heard him say at dinner one night, you're going to be like Abraham and Sarah. And a child's coming into your life. And I, he told me we were like Abraham and Sarah. And four months later, I was pregnant. Exactly four months from that moment in the restaurant. My husband remembers that moment like as clearly as I do. So, and Trey is three. He's the third one of our family. And our, I always felt just like, um, gosh, I'm sorry I'm getting on long tangents. I hope not to bore you. But just like um, Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac are kind of, I think, symbolic of the Father, Son, and Spirit. I wondered that about us. You know, were we supposed to be a sign? I, I, anyway, just look at what your name means. It's probably uh, my friend Danielle. I'm sure you're listening. Um, you definitely are like Daniel. You love Yahweh. You're so anointed. You're, um, and, and God is my judge is what Danielle means. Danielle, Don is judge of Yahweh. So... El is God, so God is my judge. And God will judge those who come against you. Yahweh will deliver you. Um, it's just neat. And so just something fun for you to do on this Sabbath, to see what Yahweh did. And then, and then ask him, say, Father God, if you were naming me right now, what would you call me? Ask for a dream, ask for a vision, ask for something where he'll show you, okay? Okay, that was a long tangent. Let's go back. So Delilah means of the night. Veltro, to tell you, it means something a little bit different. Okay, anyway, verse 5. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So they're like, hey, we will, you're going to be rich. Bring him down. We need to know where the strength's coming from. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. So she is doing it. Obviously, she doesn't come out and say, I'm Satan. I'm the devil. I'm. She does it in a way that's like, oh, she gets it. She works it out of him. She's trying to work it out of him. Probably batted her pretty eyes. Who knows what she was doing. Say, hey, would you tell me? What, what, how, why are you so strong? She tried to flatter him. Who knows? Verse 7. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So he's lying through his teeth, right? <laughs> so the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, and she bound him with them. I believe he did this probably to test her also, but let's see what keeps happening. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now, he knows at this point Delilah is lying. He knows. Because he's, she's the one to whom he told the secret. <laughs> Yet, he gives in to the enticement of her. Be careful, men. Do not give your strength to women, the seductress woman. Solomon suffered the same fate. Don't let women or worldly people or anything wicked be your downfall. Don't let the flattering relatives in your life be your downfall. Don't let flattering actually wicked friends who seem to love you, who really don't love you, who aren't trying to get you to Yahweh, be your downfall. People, think about what you're doing. Be careful. Verse 10. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, 
If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now, I think he's probably still trying to convince himself that, well, maybe she didn't lie. Maybe somebody heard. So he's giving her another test, perhaps, or perhaps he just is really toying with her as well and using her back. I mean, they're both very wicked people. Therefore, Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson, and men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. Okay, so they both know now not to trust each other. Yet here they go again. (laughs) Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom, so she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom, and said to him, The Philistine, how do you, first of all, how would you not feel that? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess you can weave it kind of loosely, and if you've, you have, you can make a smaller loom, and that's the thing on which you weave fabrics as. Though, anyway, you probably know what it is. The Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he woke from his, sweet, his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Whoa, there it is, folks. You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. If your family comes up to you and you're not obeying Christmas anymore, or not doing Christmas anymore, but you're obeying Yahweh, you're not doing Easter, you're not doing birthdays, you're not doing the pagan holidays. You don't, here's the words they will use. You don't love us anymore. Mm -mm -mm, That is not true, folks. You are loving them so much by trying to set them free from the wrong ways. If your husband comes to me and says, comes to you and says, you don't love me if you don't make me pork. You don't love me if you don't do the Sunday church thing with me. If your wife comes to you and says, you don't love me if you don't let me get breast augmentation or makeup or fakeness. That is a lie. It is deceptive. They may not know they're lying. They may be confused and locked in behind a deceitful heart because our hearts are deceitful above all things, Jeremiah says. Don't fall for the words, I love you. Don't fall for the words, I love you. And Satan uses that because he knows that is our deepest longing. That's our weakest area. Every single human desires to be loved. Until you get to the point where your actions are made to please God and done to please God and no other, you're not, you can't guarantee, you don't even know that you're doing the right thing. (laughs) Even then you can mess up. I've done many things best to my ability, still trying to serve Yahweh and sometimes still messed up, right? The only I love you that truly matters is the one from your father. I love you. This is why I told you my rules. Believe him, okay? The rest of us can all have wickedness in our hearts that we aren't even aware of, okay? Do not lose your anointing, your strength, your calling, your purpose to the harlots, the Delilahs of the world. Don't give in to those words. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, okay, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to laugh again. Samson's a very dramatic person, right? So his life's full of drama. (laughs) He literally got so tired of her saying this that he finally tells her. It's not funny. It's wicked, but it's just like he's, I can just see him like, oh my gosh, like be quiet, lady. Here, go. No razor has ever come upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite and a Nazir to Elohim from my mother's womb. 
If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like other man, any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, so she realized, ooh, this is different. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, now the lords just means like sovereigns, rulers. Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came after her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. So he laid over on her knees. She was probably just caressing his head or whatever, lulled him to sleep. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that Yahweh had departed from him. Now, I want to say this. It's not actually the hair, but the hair was symbolic of the covering which he had. Yahweh can do anything. Yahweh could have worked through the toenail on his toe. But Yahweh was, has chosen the hair to symbolize the Nazarite set-apartness. Yahweh let him learn his lesson here. He had given his strength to the enemies. I tell my son this all the time, especially when he was struggling more. And, he, and not that he's perfect yet. I said, do not give your strength to the harlots of the world. Don't be betrayed by the harlots of the world. Verse 21. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Now he goes from leading Israel to being a prisoner. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaven. Maybe he was humbled a little bit. We can see that he's not ever fully, I don't think, born again. But he, perhaps there was a humility that came over him where he realized, okay, I'm wrong. Now your hair's going to grow anyway. But as it was growing, was the Holy Spirit speaking to him? I would believe so because my God is so good and never gives up on us. He's always trying. Verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, now, side note, Dagon, God, Dagon was a Babylonian God of the Mesopotamian region. The Catholic um, bishop wears that pointy white hat on his head that was in that was from the Dagon. That was from this Dagon right here. Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So they're rejoicing because all of a sudden they have Samson in their hands. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. So he had to do something for them, and he was mock, being mocked. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now remember, his eyes were, were gouged, gouged out. And I will say this, his eyes were obviously a huge snare to him, because when he saw the woman of the Philistines, he lusted for her. When he saw Delilah, he lusted for her. Perhaps that is why Yahweh let his eyes be put out. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. And I just heard another voice. I just heard Yahweh say another thought as I was reading that. But also perhaps his eyes were pulled, um, poked out because he did not see. He could not see 
what Yahweh was trying to do in his life and how Yahweh wanted to use him. So twofold there. Maybe it was the lust of his eyes and maybe he was seeing things with worldly eyes that the eyes had to be taken out so he could finally possibly hear the voice of Yahweh and realize what Yahweh was truly trying to do with his life. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 28. Then Samson called to Yahweh, saying, O Yahweh, or Adonai Yahweh, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O Elohim, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Now his two eyes that lusted for the two women of the Philistines, in particular Delilah and the first wife, and that wife, I think, I mean, obviously it did say there was another woman, no, it was, do, 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 do. yeah, see, there was another woman in there, so who knows how many women he loved, right? I just was making sure that I wasn't speaking <laughs> incorrectly. But the two main women, interesting, there was two eyes. Is There's a verse um, in the New Testament that says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it from you. So I wonder, you know, is it, obviously that's symbolic. <laughs> it's a idiom. I don't know, kind of could all go together here. Verse 29, and Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right hand and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines and he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it so the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life and his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of his father Manoah he had judged Israel 20 years I am not going to herald this as a great act of sovereign power of his sovereign okay I'm not going to Harold, this is a great act of his, like, nobility. That's, that's a better way to put it. He killed himself. Suicide is not okay. He didn't repent. He didn't turn his heart fully back to Yahweh. Yahweh did listen to his request and allow him to kill himself and at the same point kill a ton of Philistines. But how much better would the story have been if while his hair was growing out, while he was in prison, he said, Father, forgive me. My heart has led me astray. I have lusted for things of the world, the women of the world. I'm ready to turn my life over to you and live according to your will and purpose for my life. Wow, what a different ending this story might have had. Let's make sure we write we let God write the story of our life that will bring him glory and us take us into his arms, not into his judgment. Love you all.